Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. How many of you are ready? Grab your Bibles, Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1 in the New Living Translation says this. In my first book, I told you, this is Luke writing, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and to teach. And to the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instruction through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after his crucifixion, he appeared to the apostles from time to time. And he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he, was, and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. And in fact, we've learned in this church that that was the actual gospel that Jesus presented to the world. He mentioned his crucifixion and the prophecies concerning his death, his resurrection, his burial. But when he went and talked to the communities and the cities and the region, he talked about the kingdom of God and the good news that God was fixing to restore. And then, so it says in verse 4, once he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem. Everyone say Jerusalem. Have you ever wondered why God told them to go to Jerusalem? You ever wondered why God told the disciples, I want you to go to Jerusalem and wait there. Why Jerusalem? I'm going to show you. He said, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized, John the Baptist baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. How many of you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit? How many of you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? How many of you have had the Spirit of God working in your life since you believed? It's everything. And so they were sent to Jerusalem, and there's a reason why. You see, you, you really have to know where you come from, who you come from, to help determine your purpose. And we're going to talk about your DNA here spiritually. So if you don't know who your ancestry is, if you've never gone to Ancestry.com, don't worry. We're going to give you some clear direction today as the church to who you are, who your parents were, and where you're going and what your purpose is. So are you, do you want to hear this this Sunday morning? How many of you want to know about the birth of the church? We're going to talk about it. Everybody say, in Jesus' name, Lord, help Pastor Bobby and help me. You can be seated. God bless you. If you're watching online with us, thank you for watching us. If you're listening by podcast, uh, thank you for listening and enjoying us here today. And share and like and subscribe if you're on YouTube. One thing is for sure that everyone was born in a particular city for a reason. Uh, some of you probably aren't living in the city you were born in, but you were destined to be in Victoria. But, you know, I know that had you not, had your parents not met, some of you, your parents actually met in the city you were born in, or maybe you moved there afterwards. I know I would not be here had God not moved 
the Kirk family to Victoria. I probably wouldn't be pastoring because the wife that God gave me was special enough and loving enough and patient enough and wise enough to help me fall in love with Jesus. I wouldn't be pastoring. I, I mean, who you marry makes all the difference in the world, right? And, and I know that she wouldn't have married me had the Rivera family not moved to Victoria. And that would have been a tragedy. We wouldn't have kids. This church wouldn't be here. Had we not said yes to Jesus, now think about this. This is just reality. Had we not said yes to Jesus and, and we wouldn't have accepted the calling, then God wouldn't have called us to help give birth to this church. Some of you, some of you would not have met your spouses had we not said yes to the church. Some of you would not have the relationships. We have married many people that have met at this church. There have been many ministries that have started here in this church that are now out in the world making a difference for Jesus. The location of where God gives birth to the church and to your life does matter. It does matter. The reality of it is really that we were, we were raised here. We weren't born here, but most of my kids were born here, save one. But we never wanted to move back here. We got married and moved away, saying we'll never live in Victoria, not the most boring city in town in Texas. Then when you have children, things change, and you realize no place like Victoria. It's a wonderful place to raise a family. If you don't know that, you don't have kids. You think problems, you think you got problems here, you'd have bigger problems someplace else. But, but God, uh, you, you, you know, I love our city. I, I love our people here. I love everything about it. You have to if you're called to the city. But I got sons that are sons of this city. They were born here. And because they were born here, they feel the heartbeat of this. And did you know that when God, God established his people, the origin of what God really wanted was began in Eden. And then it progressed, and then God made a promise concerning Jerusalem. It was the intention of God to establish his people from Jerusalem. And Jerusalem was very special to him. In fact, in one portion of Scripture, you'll find that Jesus is actually, he's on a mountainside, and he's looking over Jerusalem. And while he's looking over Jerusalem, he cries out, and he says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I would have gathered thee as a mother hen does gather her brood, but you wouldest not. Because it's in Jerusalem that Jesus himself would be crucified, tried, and the religion would rise up against him, but he came to save them, and instead they murdered him. Jerusalem, because that was the seat of, very senate, if you will, of every darkness that was available and there networked to this world because it knew the plan of God. God came to save his, the lost.
God came to seek and to save those that were lost. First to Israel. So Jerusalem has a very, very significant place in the heart of God. And we'll start to realize later that the willingness of the apostles to stay there long enough was their choice. Just like you had a choice to come here today, you had a choice. Everyone has a choice every single day, and, and we choose to do the will of God. How many of you didn't want to live in Victoria, but here you are? You chose to be here. I'm not down-talking our city. I'm just simply saying that God has other plans for you because he knows what's best for you. God knows what's best for you. Sometimes God won't allow you to go places because he knows if you go there, you're going to fall back into trouble and you're going to get mixed up with the wrong crowd. So God has to give you a new beginning. So the things in life that we deal with, the things in life that we begin to realize is that nothing happens unless we are willing. And when we are willing to accept the plan of God and the place of God and what God has for me, then God is able to do anything. And I want you to write that down if you're taking notes. When you're willing, God is able. When you're willing, God is able. There are certain places where God had to test his people. Isaac, the father to Jacob. When he sent Jacob out to go and find a wife, he told him, don't get a wife from this region. Go someplace else and find your people. Because Isaac was a son to Abraham, but he had a half-brother named Ishmael. And because Abraham had an idea and he had a way and wasn't willing, everyone say willing, you have to be willing to wait on the process of God, and he wasn't willing to wait, he had a baby with Hagar. But when the time came and he was obedient and he waited, when his will was conformed to the will of God, God was able to heal him and Sarah. Before God touched their bodies to give birth to Isaac, they were called Abram and to Abraham. Sarai, then her name turned to Sarah. In the Hebrew, the H, the H, it was actually Abraham. In the vocabulary and the alphabet of the Hebrew, it actually represents the H, represents the breath of God, the hum. Which meaning that God breathed on Abraham and Sarah's womb and God blessed them and then he became a father of many nations, but he only had one child. That son was Isaac. But then Ishmael. For that reason, the offspring of Ishmael was there. God told Jacob, go someplace else to find your wife because we got too many of Ishmael's kids around here. They're not good. They don't got the right mother. Go find somebody from our own offspring. We've got the right mother because that's where the covenant was. This was all examples 
This was all an example, just like Abraham. When he was told to offer Isaac, that was a type of Jesus. Isaac was a type of Jesus, the firstborn of Abraham, the firstborn of the promise. You see, he only gave him one son, but God promised Abraham many sons. He said, as many as you can count in the sky, even more than that, as many as there are granules of sand on the beach, if you can count those, then you can understand how many children I'm going to give you. But he only gave him one. The other one wasn't God's plan. That was man's plan. One child. And so to find his people, God had to send Jacob and when you look at Jacob, Jacob was actually known as the firstborn of God. That's why, again, a type of Jesus. I know there were millions, but then God said, I brought my child, my firstborn, Jacob, out of Egypt. It was a prophetic declaration that one day also Jesus, when he left for his life, went to Egypt as well. And God's only begotten son came out of Egypt. And so did Israel came out of Egypt. God had a bigger plan. God had a reason for what he had done. He was letting us know that I have a destiny for my people. And although my people have to go through things, I'm going to make sure I have a child. And I'm going to make sure I have a people. And I'm going to give birth to a people one day that aren't my people. And I'm going to bless the people that are my people and make the two one. So when God gives a promise and tells Abraham, I'm going to have many children through you, he should have waited. Listen to this. Galatians chapter 4. Now let me explain what I just told you. And I want you to pay attention. Are you ready? Write down Galatians 4, 22 and 31 in the NLT I'm reading to you. The scripture says that Abraham had two sons. The one from his slave wife and one from the freeborn wife. The son of the slave wife was born in a human attempt. Turn to someone and tell them that means religion. If you want the definition of religion, it is a human attempt to bring about the fulfillment of God's promise. That's what religion is. In our humanity, we try to please God thinking that we have the answers, but God has a covenant and a promise. But the son of the freeborn wife was born as God's own fulfillment of his promise. That was Isaac. Now let's talk about the women. These two women, who are they? You ready? Serve as an illustration of God's two covenants. These two women serve as an illustration of God's covenant, his promises. The first woman, Hagar, represents Mount Sinai where people received the law that enslaved them. That's what Hagar was, a human effort. God's way of dealing with humanity and their humanity 
in a way that did not change them, and they took it, but it never changed their heart. Although God allowed it, just like he allowed Abraham to make a decision, he didn't stop Abraham from going with Hagar. But you remember when God brought Israel out and they were at the base of the mountain and they were worshiping the golden calf and God told Moses, he said, uh, did I say Abraham? Moses, he said to Moses, Moses, he said, I, I want you to move because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to destroy them and I'll just make a great nation out of you. One person, right? God can do it. It may take some time, but he'll do it. Because God will do things legally. He'll do things legally, not illegally. But so when God had made a promise, it didn't matter how long it took God, he'll start over if he had to. But he was patient and he waited. And that's why Israel had to go through so much because it was a heart issue. But they were born under the law. That woman, Hagar, represented the law. And the children that were born under the law were rebellious, religious. That was the old covenant. Remember, the two women represent two covenants. So that didn't happen in Abraham's life out of just chance. It happened for a reason. God was fixing to show us what was fixing to transpire. Then it says... Verse 25, and now Jerusalem is just like Mount Sinai in Arabia because she and her children live in slavery to the law. Now Jerusalem is still in bondage because now he's saying, okay, Hagar was a type of Zion, and Zion is a type of Jerusalem because God's people is there. So it's relating Jerusalem as a woman now. How many of you saw the sequence? How many of you saw that? He said these two women, rep these two ladies represent covenant. So they're women. The first one, Hagar, that he uses and says she's like the law. The law represented a woman. Keep the, keep the pattern there. God is trying to teach us something through Paul, it sounds complicated, but you have to remember how smart Paul was. Paul was a Pharisee. He knew the law. He knew it front and backwards. That's why Peter even said, there's some things Paul says are just hard to understand. That guy has so much understanding and revelation, it blows my mind. So he's teaching here, but it's deep. And he's trying to tell the Galatian church, you guys got to simplify this thing. Listen. Hagar was the type of covenant, and, and, and Hagar represented the law. And now when God looks at Jerusalem, it represents the woman that's under the law, like Hagar, whom Abraham had a, a baby with. And have you ever noticed how God blessed his, both of his sons because of Abraham? Did y'all ever notice that? You know why they were blessed? You want to know why they're blessed? Because they had the same father. But don't let that fool you. God is the God of all flesh. And we all are descendants from Adam and Eve. It goes way back. But you got to have more than the right father. You got to have the right mother. 
And because of the willingness, it was the willingness of humanity. It's the willingness of what we're supposed to do and what we're supposed to fulfill. And I want you, I want you to take the rest of this. Are you ready? But the other woman, Sarah, represents heavenly Jerusalem. What do you mean heavenly Jerusalem? There's a spiritual Jerusalem? Yes. You ever wondered what that city was that, that the patriarchs were looking for in Hebrews chapter 11? How many of you have ever read Hebrews chapter 11? Raise your hand. Hebrews chapter 11. You ever, how many of you remember this where the scripture says that they sought for a city whose builder and maker was God? How many of you have ever remembered that, hearing that? You want to know what that city was? It wasn't natural Jerusalem. It was this heavenly Jerusalem. So if Sarah represented the, hev the heavenly Jerusalem, heavenly Jerusalem is a woman in the eyes of God. What, that doesn't make any sense. Hold on tight. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, Pastor Bobby's trying to teach us something. Just pay attention. Turn to somebody and tell them, I need your help. Turn to somebody and tell them, I know he sounds crazy right now, but he's going to make sense in a minute. If you're watching online, just be patient. Here it comes. But the other woman, Sarah, represented the heavenly Jerusalem. She is the free woman. She is, it's a really odd statement he makes right here, but listen to it. He says, and she is our mother. What? She's our mother? That doesn't make any sense. The spiritual heavenly Jerusalem. Um, Sarah is our, well, listen, you know, to this day, the Jewish nation says that they are sons of Abraham because they're children of faith. With faithful Abraham. Well, if Abraham had a, you know, if Abraham was a father, then who was their mother? Sarah. Of the faith. But in this portion of scripture, if the people that were under the law, the Jewish law, are still under the law, then they're still children to the bondwoman, which the slave is, which is the law, which is Ishmael. But those other children that are of the promise, who are they? And who's their mama? And so let me read it again. But the other woman, Sarah, represents a heavenly Jerusalem. She is the free woman. She's our mother. And Isaiah said, rejoice, O childless woman, for you have never given birth. Break into a joyful shout. This is speaking of her prophetically, speaking of Sarah. Sarah was so old, she couldn't give birth. But God was fixing to empower her, anoint her. And he says, you who have never given birth to a child, rejoice and shout. For you have never given labor. For the desolate woman now has more children than the woman who lives with her husband. That's okay. The other one. Remember the other, when Hagar and Ishmael was born, Sarah was angry. Sarah was jealous. Sarah was trying to figure out why is this happening. And now God is saying, listen, the desolate woman has more children than the woman who lives with her husband. But you, dear brothers and sisters, are the children of promise just like Isaac. But you are now being persecuted by those who want to be who want you to keep the law, just as Ishmael the born, the, the, the child born of human effort persecuted Isaac. So the child born of the power, so the child born by the power of the Spirit, in other words, is God's covenant child. What was happening with the book, 
in the, in the Galatian church was is that there were Jews, there were Israelites who were persecuting the church because they weren't living under the law. And so religion was still having the same fight that it had when Jesus came in this world and he came in this world and defied religion. They were having the same problem. But Paul says, don't worry. Even though they look blessed, even though they look like they're prospering, they may do, be, they may because they have the same father. But God has made his covenant with you because you have a different mother, the right mother. Who is your mother? Well, this is exactly what the Spirit of God was trying to tell the church. It was trying to tell the church this. Point number two, to be like Jesus you had to be born with the right mother. I want you to, I know what you need. You need a slide, right? Okay. That was a lot. Look at this slide. Now, don't change it till I tell you, because we're going to take time to understand this. This was God's plan. A husband, a wife, equals a child. That's the natural order of childbirth. I don't care what science is trying to do right now. <laughs> Can't duplicate this. This is God's plan. He takes a man and a woman, right? Okay, nobody's responding. It, it takes Adam and Eve, not Adam and... I didn't say it, you did. You got to stop talking like that here. You understand what I'm saying? Got to have the right wife. Let me rephrase that. You got to have a wife. Let me rephrase that. You got to have a woman. That's God's plan. This is man's plan. The next one is man's plan. And this is where Abraham got it wrong. Abraham and Hagar gave him an Ishmael. Now we've got terrorists everywhere. Wars everywhere. Problems everywhere. Even in our own judicial system and in our government. This, this country was founded on the Bible. Now we've got opposition and people being sworn in by the Quran. I don't know what your belief system is, but I'm just going to tell you, I believe in the B-I-B-L-E. That is the book for me. I stand upon, remember that, the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. And the reason why we have such a conflict of interest and have infringements on our rights and our nation is because of the core belief system. But the reason we have that problem is because Abraham said and Sarah said, go to Hagar. It matters. The decisions that you make, you have to wait on God. Wait on God. But religion says, I'm going to do it my way and I'm going to have, I have this idea. Well, what's going to happen then if you don't have the right source of your promise? Here's this. You know what Hagar was? Hagar was Abraham and Sarah's idea. A human attempt to try to fulfill the promise of God. This is where people get in trouble. But when you stick to who God gave you and blessed you with. Husband, you need to grab your wife's hand right now if she's here and say, I'm so thankful for you, baby. Right here, I'm so thankful for you. I'm, I'm Okay. <laughs> I'm so thankful for you. And you got a snotty little tissue. I'm so okay. I'm still thankful for you. Just telling you. 
Those were tears. Okay, they were tears. God has the right person for you. Now, don't you think God would have the right person for his son? Think about that. Don't you think God? Do you not know that when Isaac told Jacob, don't get a woman from this region? Go find our people. That was a type of Jesus. Jesus came to his own, but his own received him not, but as many as received him. To them, they became the sons of God. God had a people, but it wasn't even his own. That's kind of a, it kind of looked like that, but in the law, God was trying to tell us something else. That was the plan, but man messed it up. Religion got in the way. Religion got in the way of God's original plan. So God had to say to the disciples, You'll be not just witnesses in Jerusalem, but I got to send you far away to a group of people that you can find that are my people that are someplace else. And I'm not just going to save Israel. I'm going to save the Gentile nation and I'll make one new man. But be patient. Go to Jerusalem. Why Jerusalem? Because the first Jerusalem failed. My plan was to establish it there. But then go ahead and go there because I'm going to plant a spiritual Jerusalem right there and it's still going to happen. Men may try to mess up my plan. The devil tried to throw in some problems and tried to mess up with Abraham, but I'm going to send my son this time from a far place called heaven, let him go into a country called earth, and I'm going to let him bring and find his own bride. Are you with me? I'm going to send him far away. Did you know that also Abraham, Isaac, to find Isaac's bride to begin with, he sent his servants away to find a bride. It's all over the scripture. God wanted a family. God wanted a family, but he needed to send a son, and he needed to have a son. And so it was like God said, you know, the first Adam messed it up. <laughs> you know, I had, he, he, was, he came from the ground, came from the earth, and, 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 I, and I blessed him, and I gave him his own will. And I said, you know what, I... That didn't work. It's not like God made a mistake. It's like God was saying, I'm preparing you all for this one event in history that is going to change everything. And it's like God said, if, I guess if you want something done right, you got to do it yourself. And God sent his self in the form of human flesh. And he was called the son of God. And he gave his son a name that was Jesus. And that child came to Mary and that child was inside of her womb after the overshadowing of the Holy Ghost. And this is what makes that birth so miraculous. It's because everyone knows and medical doctors know that unless you have blood from the Father, that baby cannot be conceived. But Jesus did not get his blood from Joseph. Jesus got his blood from heaven. And it wasn't something that you can see, but it was a spirit-formed blood in his DNA that came in him, and it was in his entire body. That's why he lived without sin. That's why he was spotless in the eyes of God. Even Isaiah said he's nothing pretty to look at. He's kind of humble. He's kind of meek. He's kind of frail. Nothing beautiful about him. Even after the crucifixion, he was horrid to look at because of the blood and because of the crowns. But his spirit is right and his spirit is beautiful and he's without sin and he's holy and he's pure and he's in my image.
So he sent him into the world. Because he sent his son from a far country to look for a bride. It wasn't just anybody. You want to know why he chose Mary? How many of you would like to know why he chose Mary? How many of you would like to know why Mary? Because when you look up the history of Mary's DNA, Mary was the relative to King David. And she was from the tribe of Judah. She was from the tribe of Judah. What does it have to do with anything? Before Mary had the seed of Christ in her, the promise fulfilled, Mary had a word from God that came from her ancestors. Her ancestor, David, was promised by God. And God told David, because of your commitment to me and my covenant with you, I'm going to use you to fulfill the promise of Abraham and the royalty of the kingdom. There will never be a king to fail to sit on the throne. And my kingdom and your kingdom will never end. And it will be an everlasting kingdom. Everlasting means eternal. That means that a human being couldn't do it. It would have to be a spiritual being, a spiritual person that will come into this world to merge between the two worlds. And the only way God could merge heaven with earth was to become a human being. To merge the two worlds, to establish a new covenant. So the people that were on the earth, even though they were born into this new kingdom, they were born here, but they're not from here. They were born here, but they won't stay here. They were here born by their mama and their daddy, but I'm going to give them a new husband. I'm going to give them a new father. I'm going to give them a new mother. And they're going to be born again into this world and be part of a kingdom. Here's God's plan again. Here's God's plan again. Here's what God intended. It intended to be Abraham and Sarah to give Isaac, who was a type of Jesus. It was God and Mary. It was the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit to bring forth Jesus. Now God, now he says, I now can have children and fulfill the promise that I gave to Abraham to give many sons. Although all these years my lineage has been attacked, the city and the kingdom has been attacked and some cases taken away. But I'm going to send myself in the form of my son and this kingdom will never end. And hell thinks they're going to win by taking him to the cross crucifying him burying him but they don't know after three days he's going to resurrect himself and he's going to become the eternal king because when they think they've won I've got him in check and it's checkmate baby And not only is he going to live, but he's going to pour his spirit out. And it's going to start at Jerusalem. And that spiritual Jerusalem is why God told the apostles, go and wait there. And I'm going to pour my spirit out there. Why? Because he said there, I'm going to give birth to the church. In other words, son, you didn't waste your trip. You didn't come from heaven to earth and that traveling for no reason. I've got a wife for you, son, and she's going to be a virgin because my blood is going to cleanse her. I want you to think about this because I'm fixing to hit you between your spiritual theology eyes right there. 
And the church was born on the day of Pentecost. Watch this. So if you're going to be like Jesus, you've got to be born like Jesus. But Jesus was born of Mary. That church that was given birth was fixing to bring more children into the world. Would you like to know what happens when Jesus, and here's what's, here's what's going to mess with you. Not only did God become Jesus, but he was the father and reincarnated in Christ. Not only is Jesus your father, he's also your brother, your husband, your savior, your redeemer. I don't understand that, Pastor Bobby. Neither do I. But I do know in the book, when it read about the gospels, then it read, and then we talk, and we read about Jesus being approached by Philip. And Philip was so impatient with Jesus showing him the Father. Lord, if you show us the Father, if you show us the Father, then we'll be satisfied, and then we'll be content, and we'll be happy, then we'll believe you. And you know what Jesus told Philip? He said, Philip, have I not been with you for so long that you don't know me and don't see me? He that has seen me has seen the Father. How saith then, show us the Father? He said, when you're looking at me, you're looking at him. He's been with you all the time. You're looking at the flesh. Look beyond because inside is the father. I am the father. That's why Jesus came to forgive. And they said, oh, my God, only God can forgive sins, not if he's in the body. So think about that'll mess with your mind. The duality of Christ, both man and God, at the same time. I don't know about that, Pastor Bobby. Did you know there are hundreds of churches within our time zone right now that are having church, and they're feeling the same presence of God that you're feeling, and he's ministering to you as a personal Savior, yet ministering to millions the same way as a personal Savior? Why? Because that's God. God can be everywhere at one time and be what he wants to be any time he wants to be it. And he was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. That's the mystery of godliness. We can't understand it because we're human, but by faith we understand that on the day of Pentecost, the church was born. And whenever we get together, the bride of Christ, how many of you have ever been forgiven by the blood of Jesus? Come on, somebody. Is there anybody that has been a recipient of the blood? Have you ever been to the cross? I'm asking you by faith, have you ever been to the cross? Uh, you need to stand to your feet. If I'm, I'm telling you, do you, we're not ending service. I'm just telling you, do you know what really happened when you went to the cross? If you've ever been to the cross, just raise your hand. Well, I didn't see the cross. This cross, Pastor Bobby, not this cross. I may got a number, not this cross. The one that was erected over 2,000 years ago. What do you mean you went there? I went there. How'd you go there? By faith. Well, who went there? Jesus went there. Well, if Jesus went there, you didn't go there. How did you go there? Because what happened to him happened to me. What he did, he did it for me. He did it for me. He was innocent. 
he was without sin and he died for the sins of the world. So when he went to the cross, it's like whenever I have faith in him there, I have faith in him for my forgiveness in my life. High five somebody and tell them I've been forgiven. Now you can be seated. I have to hurry. Now, now watch this. Watch this now. But Jesus also went to be buried. He was buried. But he came out of the grave. What does that mean for us? You know what water baptism is? Water baptism is when you are buried in Christ. And you rise to the newness of life. And you take on the name of Christ. What are you trying to say, Pastor Bobby? Here's what I'm trying to tell you. When you and I begin to worship in this house, when you and I begin to raise our hands, guess, are you the bride of Christ? Are you his wife? You've been forgiven? You're white as snow because of your forgiveness you're like Mary you're like Mary a virgin in the eyes of God and guess what happens when you go into worship and the Holy Spirit overshadows you and somebody in the womb of the church asks for forgiveness the blood is applied somebody say conception come on somebody say conception when people come to the cross, they're conceived. Salvation visits them. Salvation comes into their life. Salvation is there. It begins at the cross in the church, the womb of the church. But mamas, what's the next thing that happens before that baby is born? What's the sign, the natural birth? Thank you, sir. You have a child. That's good enough. You qualified. Thank you. Good. Here's the thing. When you went down in that water, that's why you can never, never treat your baptism, water baptism, like you just got wet and it was just some kind of open declaration of your faith. You're down, you're watering it down. Not in the eyes of God. And did you know that that baby doesn't receive the name that you've been waiting for so long to give it until that baby comes out of the womb? But when you went down in the water, you came out of the water, you broke the water. It's the mode of operation that God has chosen. When Jesus went into the sepulcher, he went into the womb of the, of the earth and came out. A new body. A new body. Not the old one. A new body. Healed. Yet with the scars, as a reminder, he went into the grave of prince, but came out a king. And that's what happens at conception. You have royalty in your blood. But until you're born again, that's when you have the authority as king. He's the king of kings. That's deep stuff, I'm telling you. I hope some of you catch this. This is deep, but I promise you, if you write it down or watch this again, you'll get it. And guess what name you took on when you were baptized and the water broke? What name did you take on? 
We make no arguments about why we baptize in that name. When you go down, we call out the name of Jesus. We, we, we quote Matthew 28, 19. We, we get that. Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Those are titles. That's not a name. If that offends you, I'm sorry. But we, well, I'm not sorry. Because that name is above every name. That name has all authority. I wasn't baptized. But you talk to God about that. This is not a doctrinal debate. I'm just telling you that the name of Jesus was a name that was hidden for eternity. That he didn't even give the revelation to the prophet Isaiah. But it was on the tip of his tongue. And that name has been in seclusion for so long that God has been waiting to reveal it. Everyone wanted to know what the name was. But no one knew until the angel Gabriel showed up to Mary and said, Mary, you're going to bring forth a son. And you're going to call him Jesus. And he will be known as Emmanuel. Emmanuel, God with us. But did you notice what Jesus told the disciples in the book of John? He said, I have been with you, but behold, I shall be in you. And when that name that has been kept in secret, but it was only known as Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. You want to know what Jesus means in Hebrew? It means Jehovah has become salvation, Jehoshua. When you were born, you took on that name. That's why we pray the name of Jesus over you and say, in Jesus' name. Why not? We pray for sicknesses in Jesus' name. We'll fight against demons in Jesus' name. Why? You can't use your title. In the name of my father, in the name of husband, in the name of son. That doesn't have no authority. You don't even sign your checks if you still write them. In your titles, you sign them in your name because your name has authority. The bank wants to see your name, not your titles. So God wants to see his son's name that he gave to the world whereby we must be saved and honor that name and I've seen so many people that went down in that powerful name of Jesus and came out speaking in tongues delivered from addiction delivered from their emotional imbalances I've seen so many people walk out of that baptismal water with the change in disposition because it wasn't the water it was the name that made all the difference in the world because heaven agrees with the name heaven agrees with the only name given among men whereby you must be saved now now let me clarify this for most of you who are thinking oh my god are you telling me i got to be water baptized and born of the spirit to be saved no i am saying to you Salvation begins at the cross, the altar. Remember, we taught you the Old Testament tabernacle had the altar where the blood was sacrificed, had the laver where they were washed, that was baptism, and had the Holy of Holies. Did you know every one of those segments of that tabernacle had to have the blood sprinkled on every one of them? Because in the eyes of God, every step of the process requires holiness because he's a holy God. So salvation is a continual process. Salvation is a continual process. Just like baseball. You got home plate. You got first plate. You've got second base. You got third base. And you've got home. What does the umpire say when you get to first base? Come on, somebody. You don't know baseball? 
with all those movies and all those, you don't know what he says. What does the umpire say when you slide into first or go and run into first? What does he say if you make it on second, third, home? Salvation is continued till we get to heaven. But if you're going to see and enter the kingdom, read John chapter 3. If you're going to see authority, signs, wonders, if you're going to get over your struggle, you got to get past conception, you got to come through the birth canal, and you've got to get power from on high. And the born-again experience is not just, it's, it's the beginning of it is at the cross. But Jesus said you must be born again if you're going to see or enter the kingdom of water and the spirit. And that's where authority and power comes in. This is where you get a new addiction. This is where you get delivered from addiction. This is where you get wisdom, power, authority. This is where you get a prayer language that lets your spirit bypass your mind because your mind gets in the way sometimes. And that God takes your heart and to give you a sign, the tongue is connected to the heart. And because you've never been able to control the tongue, it's because you've never been able to control the heart. Only God can control the heart. But when the heart is fully surrendered, the spirit takes control of the heart and gives you a sign according to Mark chapter 16, verse 16. And these signs shall follow them that believe. He said, in my name they shall cast out demons and they shall speak in new tongues. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. But nobody's taught me that before, Pastor Bobby. I'm telling you that right now. You have to have an open mind. Get out of religion. Get out of tradition and be open to the promises of God because it happened for the apostles. They were looking for this for years. It was waiting for the patriarchs and the matriarchs for a city whose builder and maker was God. And the scripture says they without us are men made incomplete. In other words, because we have the fulfillment of the promise, we fulfill everything they were looking for. Do you know what happened when God gave birth to the church? God gave us a mother that we can come together when we come together it's the bride of Christ intimacy with God and worship and people are saved people are convicted and they come into a place of consecration and they're water baptized and they receive the spirit of God in their life which is the breath of God that every baby needs to have that's born because I've asked doctors immediately when the child is born what's the most important thing they said breath I know I'm giving you a lot, but this is the birth of the church. Here's what I want you to leave with. Come on, Haley. God is waiting for us to go full term. Can I tell you what the biggest challenge in the world is right now? Is every, not every, almost, almost every other church. They're afraid to go full term, and they don't teach the fullness of this. What is it really, the baptism of the Holy Spirit? What does it mean to be born of the Spirit and born of the water? Read John chapter 3 in the gospel. What we have done in the world right now, and the reason why religion is overtaking Christianity, and I want you to know that it is right now. I'm sorry to say it, and I'm ashamed to say it. But religion is having a heyday right now.
happen because people in the church are weird. I'm just being honest with you. Well, you're weird today, Pastor Bobby. Yeah, they spit it everywhere. It's like that. No, I'm not going to go someplace else fancy. You're, you're a stinky warrior. You're a stinky warrior. I'm going to say something to you, and I think it needs to be heard. Religious churches have become so seeker friendly they're afraid to tell the full truth and teach it. Where are you ready? We're also so-called, and I came out of this, Pentecostal churches, tongue-talking churches, spirit-filled churches have taken it so far they become weird and got lost in their own emotion, and have no control, and get selfish when they come to church and act like it's all about them not considering those that need it when there has to be a complete balance and understanding that you do those things in your prayer times and grow maturely so when you do come into church everything else makes sense and you create an atmosphere where everybody else that you're here you can start giving birth because you've been born again but God wants you to start having children Someone has wondered, what is my purpose? If you've been have given a prayer language and a prayer life, you have got to pray. Because here's what, here's what Paul said. He said, I travail in prayer till Christ is formed in you. The scripture says in the Old Testament that Zion travailed until she brought forth her children. The scripture says that when a, a cry went out in Egypt, that children were being born. The birth of the church was meant to give birth to children. And the only way this will happen, the church has to become alive again. The church can't be reserved without being weird and in people's faces. I've had so many people come up to us and say, why don't we do this? Why don't we do that? Because we have to consider the new people and those that don't know a thing about this. And we got to get everybody on the same page and grow together because God didn't save you just so you can go to heaven. God saved you and filled you so you can start giving birth to children so we can see our whole family come together. And we got to be patient and we got to keep praying. But we have to be fervent in our worship and have to be real. Nothing is going to change except God is able to do it. But God is only able when you're willing. When we're willing to go the full term. Because we're good in religion, in church, at taking people to the cross. But that's just conception. They're saved. They are saved. I believe they're saved. And I believe a lot of people have the spirit of God in their life. But remember, we're three-dimensional. Body, soul, spirit. The body goes to the cross willingly. Water baptism, the scripture says it clears our conscience. The soul. But the spirit is a full surrender. Where you say, God, there's no more reservation. The cross, the cross, forgiveness, mercy, the blood, conception. Water baptism, the burial death, the resurrection, the breaking of the water, the spirit baptism, holy of holies, breath of God, speaking in tongues, 
so is everyone that's born of the Spirit. You hear the sound thereof is what John said in John chapter 3. The word sound comes from the Greek word that means phone, voice, language, tongue. That's why on the day of Pentecost when God gave birth to the church, they all spoke in tongues on that day. Because the birth of the Spirit happened. And God gave birth to the church. But God said from that point on, you're not supposed to stay in Jerusalem. you got to go to all the world. Just like I sent my son from that, his country to this country. Now you've got to go out and travel and establish and find your, my bride for me. That's why Jesus isn't coming back until we go to all four corners of the world to get him a bride. You're the bride, but now you're playing the role of a mother to give birth. See, you have a dual nature. How many of you here are married? Raise your hand. Okay. Ladies, how many of you are married here? Raise your hand. Ladies, how many of you have children? Keep your hands raised. Now raise them up high. You are, and how many of you have a mother or a father? Of course, you have that. So did you know that you are a mother, you are a wife, and you're a daughter? You're playing three roles right now. So it shouldn't be crazy to us that God can do this himself, yet be one, and operate in our life. And it shouldn't be crazy for us to realize not only are we the bride, but we're the mother of newborn children. That's why our whole, and that's why our whole, how many of you are thankful for your children? Can you imagine what God feels like when somebody is born and conceived? I mean, you know, when conception happens, have you ever had a family member come to you and tell you, we're having a baby, and how excited were you when that took place? How many of you remember the day your daughter came to you or your granddaughter and said, we're having a baby, and you're like, ah! Exciting, right? Did you know that the same excitement happens in heaven when God said, when one sinner repents, there is joy in the presence of angels? It didn't say that the angels were filled with joy, but the, the angels are in the presence of somebody who has joy, and that's God. But how do you think God feels when those babies are actually born? That's the fight right now in the church world. God wants to fill people with the Holy Spirit. He wants them to be baptized. He wants them to have a full commitment because he wants us to go full term. If you ever wanted to know what the mission and what our purpose is at Riverside Church is to see people born again of the water and the Spirit go beyond the cross. The cross is the beginning. The cross is where it all begins, just like the tabernacle. But you see, God didn't save you just to save you. He saved you to mature and to grow and to grow into a mature body where now you are doing the work of God and now you are seeing children born and we're raising them and we're developing them and we're discipling them and now you're going out and teaching them how to win people and now they're bringing people in and they're getting born and they're getting saved and they're seeing God what is this what's going on why why is all this happening because one day God told Abraham I'm gonna give you more children than you can count Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.